this is Charles Haley. You're listening to nothing but Niners. So now they've got to start from deep in their end of the field, and Garrison Hurst takes advantage of it. He takes the handoff, sweeps to his right, gets to the 20. He's in the 30. Needs to cut in. He comes back up the right sideline. Breaks the third tackle. Comes down to the 30. He's out of the 20. He's out of the 10. He's out of the 5. He's out of the right side. Nothing But Niners crew is back, and guys, it is Thursday, so you guys know you get a daytime show, and this is an episode that is long awaited. You guys have been asking for it over and over. Mike, you got to reach out. Mike, you got to reach out. We want to see him on this show. All right, all right, guys. All right, all right, all right. Don't throw any panties at the stage or anything like that. Not yet, guys. Hold your horses, okay? But let me run through these formalities really quick, and then we're going to bring our guest in, okay? So if this is your first time here on the YouTube page, we want to thank you guys for checking us out. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button. Also, turn on your notifications so you know when we're doing videos like breaking news and stuff like that, okay? Uh, give us a follow on some of our social media platforms. We have Twitter and Snapchat. That is nothing but nine ERS, the number nine, nothing but nine ERS. We also have Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitch, and those handles are nothing but Niners. I'm your guy, 49ers Mike underscore NFL. And guys, we're going to be joined by none other than the man himself, my Jersey brother, man. Let me go ahead and bring him in here. My man, Jason Aponte. What's going on, Jason? How you doing, my man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is uh this is a thrill, man. And you know, I, you guys are are big. And you know, like before I really got aware of like what you guys were doing, it's funny. Um, I used to hang out with Nick at uh at Nuno's in um Linden, you know, 49ers bar. That's where we first yeah. linked. And that was before I ever got into any of the YouTube thing. Nick's a great guy. Um, I love what you guys are doing over here. Happy to be here and uh appreciative, man. This is uh this is really fun for me. Yeah, thank you so much for making some time, man. I know you were just on another show and everything. You got you're you're on the go, man. So your time is valuable and it's precious. So I want to thank you for uh for just jumping on here, taking a couple of minutes, and, and we're gonna run down a couple of things here. Um so we're going to get started with first getting to know who Jason is. Now, I say Jason Aponte. Is it Jason? Ap how, how do you say your last name? Just to make sure I'm saying it right. That that works. Uh, I, I'm not really uh, I'm not really a stickler when it comes to that. Aponte, Aponte, doesn't really matter to me. So, but how do you say it? Aponte. 
Aponte. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I was doing a um there was another startup that that was we were working with, right? And one of the guys named I I'm gonna feel like a jerk saying this. I can't remember what his first name was, but people were butcher it. And he's like, Oh no, it's okay. And I said, Hey man, no, like, you gotta respect yourself, make them get your name right, bro. Like if they can't remember your name, how are they gonna tell somebody about you? Sure. You know, so like you got to make sure. But now yours, Aponte, Aponte. I understand that's not that big of a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, this was his first name. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you got to get some pride in here. Like, you can't you know, you can't do that, man. You got to you got to sit here and let us know, you know, who you are. Start, you know, carry yourself like you already there, like you up there, you know. So um, it is what it is. But I like that's why I want to make sure I try to get people's last names uh, correct. Also, um, now I want to start with who you are. All right. Now, are you from Jersey or you just live in Jersey? So uh, I've I spent my entire life basically in Jersey. My father's from the Bronx, um, you know, so it's, it's all the same stuff. You know how it is, how close, uh, you know, mm -hmm. New York is, um, you know, being a lifelong Yankee fan. You know, we spend a lot of time at Yankee Stadium, have family in the Bronx. But, yeah, I'm Jersey, man. Um, Hoboken, Jersey City, to be, you know, more precise. But more Hoboken than anything. I see I see Alonzo in here talking about the St. Anne's Feast. I know exactly uh, what he's talking about. That's actually starting uh, this weekend. Um, it's a, the big festival in Hoboken. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hoboken, uh, New Jersey, for, mo for the most part, I would say. All right. I like that. I like that. So I got to ask the question. I'm sure you've been asked a million times over, mm -hmm. but for our audience um, and the people who may not know you, uh, you so you're Jason Aponte from New Jersey. Let them know what platforms you're on, where they can find you in your work. And then I'm going to ask you about how you got started here. So. Yeah, so um, uh, most of the time you can find me on Twitter, either tweeting a stupid meme or, or trying to at least sound smart about the 49ers. So that's usually where you can connect with me. I try to be as engaged on there as possible. You know, you can go to my YouTube page, Jason Aponte, uh, you know, got my sprint ride option on there. You know, my, da my daily shows, which are going to be ramping up as we get closer to camp. And uh, yeah, you guys can hit me on IG, Aponte 2103 um, But yeah, uh, primarily Twitter and YouTube is where you can find my stuff. And you can find some of my articles on 49ersGoldmine.com. Perfect, perfect. My man is getting it in over there. He's featured on all a bunch a bunch of stuff and everything. Um, so I'm I'm proud of you, man. I love seeing the work, and I always you can ask the people in the chat, man. If you're from Jersey, you get my undying support. Like I don't know, like Dante Johnson. I pound the table for my guy because he's from Jersey. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the new Jason. Uh, um, um, damn, White. What's his what's his first name? Kevin White. White. Kevin White. Yes, God, I don't know why I blanked on Kevin. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I said, I pound the table for my people from Jersey. So it's going to definitely be the same with you, man. I like to let people know, uh, who, you know, who our people are. I think so. I appreciate that. Well, it's, uh, no, you got it. No, no, it's, uh, no, it's funny because, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I got were pushback, you know, being from Jersey, you know, you know, I see people saying stuff where they're like, oh, well, you can't really be a 49ers fan from there. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that one. Yeah. No, I bro all the time. So we we were doing this on YouTube for over a year, and I don't know how, but somebody found out Nick and I were both from Jersey. But oh, that's why y'all don't know shit. Y'all front runners. Y'all not really Niner fans. How you a Niner fan from Jersey? And I'm sitting here like, okay, that's cool. So that's gonna be my question to you. Mm -hmm. How did you become a 49ers fan? So like I said, my father's from the Bronx. The Yankees, you don't get a choice. It's your, you know, my father grew up close to Yankee Stadium. You don't choose. That's in your blood, right? Um, when it comes to football, it's actually a kind of weird story. So my father, he actually went to Indiana University around the time that Joe Montana went to Notre Dame. And the way that he would describe Joe Montana, and you know how religious Indiana is, 
was that Joe was bigger than Jesus. He was Jesus in cleats. So my father, he uh, he just watched, uh, you know, he watched him all the way to uh, San Francisco. And then, you know, I, I follow who my dad liked. And, uh, you know, I, there's pictures of me during those Super Bowls in the 80s running around in an oversized jersey. And I never left the team. I never did. So, you know, for everybody who says front runner, OK, my father pulled up at the right time because Joe Montana was there. That's true. But uh, for me, uh, I saw a lot of sustained success in terms of getting the championship games. So one Super Bowl in my lifetime that I could remember in 1985. Um, but I remember the bad stuff and I stuck through it. And being, you know this, Mike, being from Jersey, especially when you go to public school, when you're a 49er fan and the Giants beat you or the Giants mm. are better than you, they're going to let you know all the time. Mm. They're going to let you know mm. every single day. And, you know, it's a lot of what I had to deal with. So stuck with them. And, uh, you know, that's something that like when I pick a team, and that's my team. I stick with them the whole way. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way than to be a 49er fan. Right. I, I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, all right. So that's good to know. That is really, really good to know. So I'm going to ask you a couple of more personal questions, and then we're going to transition to talking about the team and stuff like that. OK, mm -hmm. so you're a family man over there. I've mm -hmm. seen some of your tweets some very heartfelt stuff that you've put out there and everything. Uh, what, what What's the deal over there, man? Are, are you married? You got yeah. kids? You engaged? Like, what, what's up? Because people, people are going to want to know these things. Yeah, I'm married. And uh, yes, uh, you know, I have my little girl, Averly. She's uh, she's my world. She's uh, the reason that uh, that I draw breath. I think, you know, it's, it's you know, it's it's strange how a kid can change your entire outlook on life. Right. You know, you kind of feel like you're floating in this world without purpose. And then that little face looks at you, smiles at you, calls you daddy. You start to realize I have to protect this person with mm. my life. I have to provide for this person and it gives you purpose. And all the things that I do in terms of, you know, all the work that I'm doing on YouTube and writing and everything I do, it's, it's all to make sure that my daughter is given the things that I was never given. And not because, you know, we, you know how it is and not because it's something that our parents didn't want to give us. It's just because, you know, when they tell us no to a hundred dollar sneakers, it's not because they don't want to, it's because, it's just not in the budget. So I can give her everything that she needs, all the support that she needs. And, uh, you know, so I can live a long life, see her grow up and, and turn her into a great adult. So, I mean, that's really what it's all about. And that's really what uh, what motivates me every single day to uh, continue to work. OK. Do you love Hawaii? I don't. So I all right, so so the story with the shirt today, the story with the shirt today was all right. So when I when I started going on Grand Show, right, you know, there was something that was floated out there on Twitter about, you know, oh, beat writers against bloggers, whatever. Fine. So like when I first went on the show, I started like rocking the suits like him just to be funny, just to say, hey, listen, you're dressing for the job that you want, not the job that you have. Today, I had, a, I had a hectic day where like literally had to drop my daughter off to, to uh, my mother-in-law, had to get a haircut real quick, came back here, had to jump on Grand Show. So I was looking for a college shirt. I saw this one. I haven't worn it in a while. It is a little bit festive, but I am flying out to Cali next week. So I was trying to get the, I was trying to get the vacay vibes a little bit going a little bit earlier. So uh, that's really what it was. And I, th I thought that people would get a kick out of it. And, you know, like I just did, cro I just did the croc show that we do our fantasy show and people were like, yo, give Andy Reid your shirt back. And you know, it, it's good, man. I, I, I have a great sense of humor and I love, I love uh, when people make jokes. So it's, it's all good, man. Absolutely. All right, guys. So with no further ado, I think we've got enough background information on my guy here. I'm not going to ask him for a social security number, guys. So you don't get all the information on Jason. OK, uh, but we do have to uh, get to a couple of things here concerning the 49ers. Uh, so we're going to start the show on a, on a more uh, solemn note here. And we're going to start up with a rest in peace uh, to former 49ers uh, position coach uh, Greg Knapp here. Um, and, you know, this was just sad, sad news. This guy, he's a year older than my mother. Uh, and so it really hits home when you start to think about stuff like that. It's like, and this was this was a bike accident. He was just riding his bike 
and uh, you know, got hit and was unconscious immediately and never and never recovered. Uh, but he was surrounded by family and loved ones, his daughters. Uh, you know, it's 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 um it's a sad, sad thing to see and hear. Uh, but rest in peace to Greg Knapp, man. I don't know if you want to say any words on that or not. Before yeah, I on. do. It's unfortunate, man. And especially when you start to talk about the age, right? Because I'm up there, right? I'm 36. And, mm-hmm. you know, you start to think it's like, man, it's that close. And, you know, like you said, you know, just a little bit older than your mom was going to become the passing game coordinator for the New York Jets. Robert Sala brought him over. So he was he was about to start working with Zach Wilson and getting that offense going. So in terms of football, that's something that's kind of disappointing as well, too, because he was on the cusp of doing something great. But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, someone losing someone in their family, football kind of takes the back seat. Um, and you and you really just feel for his family. And uh, it's just a, it's just a terrible situation all around. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sending nothing but positive energy over to his family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, uh, our, our sincerest condolences, uh, prayers and heartfelt thoughts go out to the Knapp family. OK, um, <clears throat> there's some more 49ers news on the brighter side. Now, the news broke yesterday, but the team decided to release uh, the little photo shoot with the quill pin. The pin is in is. hand. Our guy is here, man. Now, let me ask you, Jason. We knew this was coming, right? We knew this mm-hmm. was inevitable. Um, was the contract what you thought it was? Fred yeah. Warner signed today. The, the team dropped the pictures. What were your thoughts on it all? Yeah, I mean, he, it's it's absolutely well earned. He's worth every single penny. I don't care what football nerd on Twitter tries to tell you that middle linebackers don't matter or anything like that. You're not talking about a middle linebacker. You're talking about a game changer. You're talking about a guy who not only covers tight ends, not only understands what he's looking at on offense, not only is the quarterback of the defense, but can cover guys like Marquise Brown in the slot, can cover guys like Cooper Cup when necessary. Obviously, that's not something you want him to do, but that's the flexibility he gives you. Quiet leader with confidence, absolute heart and soul of this defense, 24 years old, locked up, and just a cornerstone. The, the 49ers have done a great job this offseason with their, their cornerstone players. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, it was Kittle first, Williams, Warner, Trey Lance is, is going to be in camp soon. The 49ers are well set up with their core, and Fred Warner is absolutely worth every single penny, and he's going to be the highest paid linebacker until Darius Leonard signs his uh, – his, um, his contract. And that's just how it goes in the NFL, but yeah. absolutely worth any penny. I don't understand why anybody would have anything bad to say about Fred Warner in any way. And and he's just invaluable to what the defense does. Yeah. Yeah. He had his presser today. We won't go over that on the show uh, because I want to get some of your thoughts on some other things, but uh, it was, it was a fun watch. Uh, he, this guy, he's, he's a consummate professional, man. Yep. I mean, just, just nonstop professionalism from this guy. And so I didn't say constant professional, I said consummate professional, but it is still constant. Also, this guy is always on his P's and Q's well thought out, uh, articulate. Um, and he, even the way he spoke about his brother, in the presser it was something something to see so if you guys haven't seen that make sure you guys go back and take a gander at that uh it is well well worth the time okay so we got to jason's story i forgot to put this up when we were talking about you my bad man uh so let's talk about uh you know you said that um your experience is covering the niners how'd you get into it how'd you get into covering the actual 49ers so it's funny because, uh, you know, my first love is fantasy football. And that's what I really started to to do in terms of football content creation. You know, uh, had a podcast, uh, started doing it in that way. It didn't really catch on because I found myself talking to myself on um, on a lot of, of streams just by myself. Literally no co-host. And that's no fun. So uh, what happened was is I want to say when I first created my Twitter was around 2019, like right before the Super Bowl, right before the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, I believe. Um, so I made that. I started writing for some smaller blogs, you know, just putting stuff out there, either fantasy football wise or 49ers wise. And then, 
you know, I guess my big break was when I uh, started writing for 49ers Web Zone. Um, David Benia reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to start writing on here? Posted a few articles there. Started to gain a little bit of traction. But I, it's the weirdest thing, Mike. Um, the pandemic is really what pushed me into overdrive. And I hate to say that because it's under it's under such hard circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to be excited about having success when people are suffering out there, you know, not only, you know, losing family members, but financially, a lot of people were hurt. But at that time, my full-time job at the time being a Lids district manager was kind of put on hold. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I really started to say, okay, it all, it's all looks, it's all about your, your outlook. You can take it as, okay, you're probably going to lose this job. What are you going to do? Or do you take it as a blessing because now you get to really like lean in? And that's what I did. I started leaning in with the content, really started going to work with all those things and just trying to build my platform as best I can. I'll say the big break that I had, honestly, was going on Grant Cohn's show. Um, once, once that started to happen and I started to get my face out there a lot more because, you know, you guys remember I started on Niners all day for a little while, you know, mm -hmm. not sure what was going on with them or anything like that. And shout out to them because they were the first people who ever gave me any sort of uh, platform to, to discuss this. But it was really when I started going on with Grant Weekly that things started to change as, as with the way that people were looking at me, the way people were viewing my content. So, uh, mm -hmm. that was the big break. And then, you know, to be able to like, you know, like you guys and Niners Nation and all the other big platforms, like to ha have people, you know, say, hey, we respect what you're doing and we want to collab. It's just all that stuff started to happen when I really leaned in. And uh, it got to a point where now, you know, I'm lucky enough where I can do content creation for a large portion and 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 just stick to that. And uh, so, like I said, it's a strange thing to be happy about, especially when you consider the circumstances, but it just is what it is. I probably wouldn't be wherever I'm at right now without the COVID outbreak. And that, that's sad to say, realistically. Yeah, no, I get you, man. You know, you, you searched for and found that silver lining. So, uh, you know, you can never be sad about something like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a good thing, uh, you know, and it happened for a reason, bro. I'm happy that you you are where you are and where you're going to be. Appreciate that. Um, now, I got to ask you about your best experiences and your worst experiences while covering the Niners. Uh, I know it's a, it's a weird question, right? But mm -hmm. I've had some weird stuff happen to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm mm -hmm. alone on that, but uh, it's it's not always sunshines and rainbows. So, oh yeah. What what oh. what if, what's one of your best experiences and what's one of your worst experiences? My best experiences is being able to be press credential for the Senior Bowl, and and it's gonna come right on the heels of the worst thing that's ever happened. So we're you know being down there for the Senior Bowl, being able to speak with players, being press credential, being able to rub elbows with NFL insiders and all that, go to the game, talk to players after the game. Trey Lance was in the stands for that game, didn't even know. I found out after I left the stadium, and I was so upset. Now and now in hindsight, you missed a chance to talk to the number three pick. So yeah, but um. I guess the easiest thing to say, the worst thing that's ever happened was, you know, when, you know, we were the people kind of letting people know that, you know, the 49ers were, you know, Stafford, when that didn't happen, a lot of people had a lot of uh, negative things to say. And I have to be honest with you, that was a gut checkpoint for, for me, right? Like, you know, do you take your setback because it didn't happen no matter what we know now and no matter what it is, it's, it didn't happen. So, you know, right. people are always going to remember that. And people, I guess the saying, and it's very cliched, I don't know if my dad said it or I read it on a meme, but they'll whisper your success and scream your failures. And that's something that I'll, I'll tweet something today and somebody will be like, oh, like how Stafford was going to be on the 49ers and literally have nothing to do with that. So it's something that I'm literally dealing with day to day. But, you know, you, you can take that as, OK, I'm going to stop shooting or I'm just going to I'm just going to push through it. And uh, I'm glad that I was around a lot of people at that time in Mobile when all that happened, because it gave me a lot of good advice of, OK, the 36 hour rule. Mm -hmm. It's going to be bad for 12. 
be bad for 24. By the 36 hour, there's something else that people are going to be complaining about, and they'll just move right on. And uh, and I'm glad that I did because, yeah, you know what? You swing and miss on that one. But, hey, it is what it is. And it really, in hindsight and in the larger picture, didn't really do me any damage because uh, I've continued to progress. So, But, yes, that was a tough time to see people saying so many hurtful things and just, you know, oh, you yeah. take it as people are miserable and that's it, you know, and then mm -hmm. there's nothing you can really do about it. So. Misery loves company, man. You know, they want to drag people down with them, but you can't let that happen to you. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> it's weird because I would think, well, I'm, I'm, I refuse to be beat. So mm -hmm. if I were in that situation, the this, this specific one that you're talking about, look at how many more people knew your name for some right. reason or another. You get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it, it really, really blew up. It was making NFL Network and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that was because of you guys and and your names were attached to it for better or worse and the people are still here you guys gain hundreds of followers off of that you know what i mean like it you got you got to take the good with the bad bro you know what yeah, i'm saying absolutely and if i you're think not that the, somebody off you're not doing something right right and the best part is is that i learned how the nfl media works as far as the way they phrase things it's all phrasing it's all phrasing you just got to do it the right way a lot of those guys whenever they put and we talk to those guys and whenever they put things out there they put them out with a hedge they always hedge and everything as well so according we, to or whatever right. yeah exactly. we learned a lot we learned a lot about how people phrase things why people um why people sometimes skirt the same criticisms that we got when they were the ones literally the people that were tweeting the things that were kind of backing up what we were saying, like, but they were hedging it. But behind right. the scenes, like they're getting off the phone and they're coming to us and they're like, man, this 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 deal's done, man. Like everybody right. knows it's like, and we're just like, okay, well, if you guys know, then you know, like, you know, that's what it is. But I, we learned a lot. You mm -hmm. when you're putting things out there, make sure that you have some sort of hedge in there so you don't put yourself out there just in case it doesn't blow up in your face. But it's a valuable lesson that I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life. And I guarantee you that's never gonna happen again unless I know for a fact what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I hear you on that, man. I like that. I like that. Okay. So uh, let's, let's move forward. Now the off season came and went, uh, you got the draft, you got free agency and all that stuff. I want to get your reflections on the off season. So again, it's going to be a lot of you talking because these people know all of my takes, the good ones, the bad ones. And you, you know, one thing I want to tell you also, you know, you're talking about how people say, Oh yeah, just like whatever happened. You said, listen, you got, I had, there's people on here who watch every single show. There's this one guy, and every opportunity he gets, he says something about Alfred Morris to me. Because when the Niners <laughs> signed Alfred Morris, I went back and I was like, yo, he had his best year with Kyle. Da, 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 he might be all right. And man, he won't let me live with it. You gotta start, you gotta learn to take it as low. You know yeah. what I mean? Because they they hold on to what you say. They you know what I'm saying? And they keep coming back. So if they're there to say that negative thing, they're there. That's yeah. that's what it is. You gotta take it for what it is. But uh the offseason is here, man. Uh it, it's coming. Uh well, it's it's already came. Uh we're about to get into training camp, but I want your reflections on the offseason. Uh, and you can be as specific or as, as general as you'd like to be, whether it be free agency, the draft, was there a different quarterback that you wanted? Uh, like how'd you feel about the entire offseason? I know you already touched on it a little bit, saying that the Niners have done a good job of you know securing their cornerstones. What else are your takes from the offseason of this uh front office? So in terms of quarterback, I think it's no secret that I wanted Justin Fields at three. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was very vocal about that, uh, you know, and I, you know, look, I'm very happy with Trey Lance. Very happy. I, want, I wanted it Fields or Lance. And I think all of us can agree that none of us wanted Mac. And I'm glad that we that, so that's a win for all of us because we yes. all slipped through the bull crap and we were like, that's no way that that's happening. All we did was just listen, use our brains and listen. That's it. It was very easy. Right. So, yes, I did want Justin Fields. That's the L I'm going to take. I still think. Ah, oh, God, I hope this doesn't get me. Don't killed. say it. Don't Trey, say it. 
Trey Lance is going to be great. Trey Lance is going to be great and amazing, and they can win Super Bowls with him. But I would be wrong if my evaluation that I had been going through the entire offseason into the draft process, I would be wrong to now reverse course and tell you guys that I think that Trey Lance is better than Justin Fields. I still don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that doesn't mean the 49ers can't win without Trey or that they didn't make the right decision because who the hell am I? I'm just somebody who just, again, I don't want to reverse course. If I'm going to take an L, I'm going to lean into my L. Justin Fields could end up being nothing. And guess what? I'm going to have to hold that L. But it would be very wrong of me to come on here and just because I'm very happy with Trey Lance and that's the person that I wanted right behind Justin Fields to turn around and say, oh, yeah, Trey's better than Justin. No, that would be wrong. That would be a wrong, wrong process. I've so, said that multiple times, my man. It's like, look, I, I'm happy we got Lance. I'm happy it wasn't whoever. But I still think Fields would have came in here and been ready week one. I think, and, and I'll let you get back to your thoughts here, I think if Fields was the pick. He'd be starting week one. And Jimmy. Jimmy would have been would gone. Be, all right. there you go. That, that's my thought process. I mm-hmm. think the reason that uh, Jimmy is still here is because they're not sure if Lance is going to be ready come week one. He'll be ready yeah. at some point. But they're not rushing him to get ready. With Fields, I think there would have been a little bit more pressure because I think he's a little bit more pro-ready. I know the style system and all that that Lance played and everything, but I just think that uh, Fields had bigger moments and against better defenses and, and so on and so forth. So, all right, but go ahead. Back to, back to your thoughts on the rest of the and, offseason. And, Sorry. and that would have been exactly what I would have said. The same thing. Justin Fields on the biggest stages, you know, did not, did, didn't flinch not a bit at all, and uh, that's what I, that was exactly my thought process. But in terms of the offseason – it's funny, and this is another L that I'm going to take. Uh, consider me one of the guys that said, you got to get Jimmy Garoppolo off this roster because how are we bringing back Trent doing all these other things? Well, guess what? Parag Marat, <sighs> my goodness, man. That's why, you know, I know you saw that meme yesterday. Uh, that guy, yeah, I want to yeah, shake yeah. your hand. Yeah, that's it. I just, I just, uh, I, look, how else can you explain this offseason when Trent Williams is back? You lock up Fred. You bring back Tart on a one-year deal. You bring back Jason Verrett on a one-year deal. You bring in Alex Mack. You get your number three pick. What else can be said about this offseason? And how could anybody not be excited? Basically, the only real losses for the 49ers, uh, you know, Kerry Hyder, who had a great year last year, um, a few other people, but nothing, nothing major. Nothing major. You know, for all things considered, this offseason went as smooth as it possibly could. They have upgraded this line. I love the draft. Aaron Banks, I love it. That's going to be one of my favorite camp battles to keep an eye on to see if he takes over that that uh, that right that right guard position right next to, to Mike McGlinchey. Um, and Trey Sermon, I love it. Elijah Mitchell, I think, is great as well. Um, but obviously, the, the banner is Trey Lance, and I was very excited to see that. You know, listen, did I want Justin Fields? Yes. But you know what? Trey Lance, I'm fine. And I and I get exactly the vision. And also, if I could play a little conspiracy theory to your point about Justin Let's Fields go. being Justin Fields being the fir- the guy week one, I think that when Kyle took Trey Lance, he kind of extended his clock a little bit more to make it work with Trey. Like he doesn't, he's not no one would no one really would want to force him to put Trey out there week one. But if you get Justin in there, like you said, I kind of felt the same way that. Justin puts him on the clock right away to make it work because people saw the same things that we saw. The guy, not he doesn't shy away from the moment. Big man. He, he, he's tough. That's the other thing. That's what I thought Kyle was going to target in Justin. You know, crack ribs, said he looked fella, he got hit by a bowling ball. Guess what? Smoke the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence, guess who beat you? Justin Fields. But yet, right. he's always the guy that's been pegged under him for some reason. We kind of know why that is. I'm not going to get into that. We know exactly why that is because he's been, since birth, Trevor Lawrence has been the golden child. Everybody thought it's going to be him. 
But mm-hmm. that's the thing that I thought Kyle was going to really hone in on in Justin Fields because he's tired of having quarterbacks that he has to keep replacing with backup quarterbacks. He needs somebody who can at least play through a little bit of pain and not only play, play well. And, you know, Kyle made this comment, man. I just knew it was Justin Fields when he said I went to all the draft sites and I bet who the pick was going to be. I put money on it, man. Me too. Kyle made this comment. He said, I want Lamar Jackson's legs with Drew Brees' IQ and arm. I'm like, my man, is that not Justin Fields? Like, come on, bro. But I do think this, though. You know, after the dust settles and you get a little bit more time to think about everything, uh, I, I settled on this. Um, even when I was hating on Lance, people will tell you I made no mistakes about it. I think Lance had the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft as long as he could be home. But I also thought he had one of the lowest floors. If he got rushed out there, they pushed him out there too quickly, it could crash and burn quickly. Uh, and so I definitely thought that um, highest ceiling was here. And maybe that's what Kyle decided to go for. Maybe Kyle said, you know what? It's time for me to back up my my opinions. You know, if I can sit here and put together three different offenses for three different styles of quarterbacks uh, every single year, week in and week out, then why can't I get my guy and put together an offense for him and make him be the guy? Bring out that highest ceiling that I think that he has out there. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that, I that's agree with just, that. That's what I think Kyle uh, thought there. So I'm with you on that too. It, it does buy him some more time. You, I don't. I'm the conspiracy ki- theory king, man. That's what I do all day <laughs> long. They know it. They t- man. I read body language to come up with stuff. They don't even have to say anything. I'm like, look, you see how he's sitting. Look at that. Right. You see how he's sitting. And see, yeah. and it's funny you you mentioned that quote. That quote right there. Like when I when I was like, now now I know it's not Mac Jones. It, yeah, it, it yeah. didn't make and I was like that literally means it. And then but then there's still people. It's still Mac. You're gonna have to deal with it. Also, I think that what's really like this this quarterback process is gonna be talked about for years and years and years. And it's coming out little by little, right? Kyle goes on McVay's podcast. Um, John is on the PFF podcast talking about they left Justin Fields pro day and they were drawing up plays for Trey Lance, that it was Trey the entire time from January. We're gonna learn a lot about this process, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right because I think a little bit of it was okay. I think Mike Shanahan really loved Mac. And and you know what's funny is I think Kyle did too because when you listen to that Sean McVay podcast, he was heaping praise still on Mac Jones. Like, yo, I think he's going to be great and everything as well too. But I also think that he took Trey Lance because he wants to like reset his clock for a little bit, but he does have the highest ceiling and uh, the smarts. It's the smarts, man. The calling out the protections, the playing in the pro-style offense, the the no turnovers thing. I know that you know he had some drop picks, but the fact remains he didn't throw any interceptions. He mm-hmm. didn't, and and uh, I think it's the smarts. And I think that Trey also has another thing that really can't be quantified with any sort of you know measurable or or uh, stat. It's it it like he walks yeah. in the room and he's got it like everybody's gonna look at him and, and they believe in him right now like you listen to the way these guys are talking about him already you heard george kittle say something about yeah he's throwing a pass that i haven't seen here in a while like mm-hmm. these like he's not trying to say that to downplay jimmy garoppolo he's just talking from his he's heart bringing up his guy, yeah yeah that's it so I, I really think that he has it i really think that when um he's ready to go this offense is going to be very very hard to stop just based on what they can run with the rpo and debo flying by and attacking the four principles like it's it's just going to be a nightmare good and then one more thing kyle shanahan saw his he got his ass kicked by kyle murray russell wilson josh allen you're not going to compete with that with mac jones sorry that's just not going to be how you beat them and if you took mac jones 
that would be the I'm smarter than all you guys and watch me win. And I think that he really got tired of people trying to peg him as Kirk Cousins guy, like Kirk Cousins is his guy the entire time. That's why he was getting so frustrated yelling about mm-hmm. we're going to die on Sunday and all this other stuff. Like, yeah. I, like, I get what he was trying to say, but you could tell he was clearly flustered uh, during that process. He was tired of people pegging him as a, as a Mac Jones guy. Yeah. You know, um, damn. I had a, 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 a response. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. You're good. I'm trying to think of what, what it was that you were saying. Um, it, it's all good. It'll come back to me at some random time, and, and I'll blurt it out like I have Tourette's or something. So don't, you know, you have to excuse me when it happens, man. My bad. No, you're good. Um, you know, but I, I, I just felt like if it was Max Jones, we would have stayed at 12. That's yes. another thing, too. From the moment we moved, you don't trade up to get somebody who's going to be Thank there. you. I felt that way from day one. There was no way that you move up for him. Uh, Mac Jones was probably he probably was the safest pick. Like uh, he's programmable. He's going to be a robot. You go out there, you tell him what to do, and he's going to do just that, and, yeah. and nothing more, nothing less. But and I don't think one that's more guy I wanted, right? And one more thing with everything that we just said, Mac Jones could be a fine pro. Like that, there's no there's no reason to say that he won't be. He could be a yeah. fine pro, and I think that he will be a fine quarterback. It's just you don't move up to three for a fine quarterback. You right. go for the big swing home run, and that's what they did. I know people uh, have mixed opinions on uh, Matt Ryan, but I think that that's Matt Jones' ceiling. That's great at 12. Matt Ryan type quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a a Matt Ryan type quarterback. So, you know, it it is what it is. Um, All right. So I'm going to ask you some very specific questions here about the team here. Uh, I know you mentioned one of them already at the right at the right uh, guard position. What's the your favorite camp battle that you're looking forward to? And I'm going to ask you about a couple of more after that. Yeah. So I'm not going to say the quarterback one because you're going to bring that up, and that's fine. We can talk about that. But I'm really mm-hmm. interested to figure out what this edge rusher situation is going to be on the other side of Nick Bosa, right? Samson Ebukam gets brought in. Love what love what he can bring to this team. What do we get from D Ford? Um, and in terms of it's so crucial to figure out those bookends on the edge because it, it affects so many other people on the defensive line. Javon Kinlaw can get those one-on-ones so he can progress. Eric Armstead could be put in a spot where he gets more one-on-ones so he can produce more. So, again, when people knock Eric Armstead, Eric Armstead wasn't signed to be the end-all, be-all guy. It's it's about him being on in the middle of that line and being able to be moved around with both on the edge and with someone else on the other side creating mismatches. So um, I really believe that this edge – this edge uh, competition or whoever is going to be taking more of this role is vital to the 49ers success because we all know that when you have a great pass rush, secondary doesn't matter as much. And now I, I you know, it, it might not even be a stretch to say that, look, we all love Richard Sherman, shout out to him and everything that he's going through and hope he's, he's doing a lot better. But Jason Verrett played at a level last year that Sherman really hasn't because he's not really a man corner. So you're talking about a secondary probably being a little bit stronger. Jimmy Ward is in his bag fully and it's about time that people are starting to put respect on his name. But when you're looking at the other edge position, that is so vital because it's it's such a cascading effect on Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, the rest of this line, and the way that they're going to you know rotate on the D-line. So I'm very interested to figure out if it's going to be Ebukam, if they're just going to show him at the line, drop him in the coverage, or if it's going to be a combination of things. So I'm really interested to figure out how that shakes out because it has such a big effect on the defense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's, that's definitely going to be a big one there. Um, so another camp battle I'm going to ask you about is who's going to be the starting corner or no. Not who's going to be. Actually, yes. I'm going to ask you who's who's going to be the starting corner opposite of Jason Verrett right now. Emmanuel Mosley. And and he's he's earned that. He definitely has. You know, look, I, I know you're a really big spoon guy. And actually, um, 
this is the problem that I have with the cornerback room. Nothing to do with Emmanuel Mosley. It's just that the, the depth afterwards is now like, it's almost funny. Spoon was almost like a luxury, right? To have him there just in case one of those guys get injured, you can play him. And he has a high ceiling because when he is clicking, he was the probably the, he was probably the best man corner on the team. Like he literally was like, he was that good, especially down the stretch. So now that's gone. Um, I know that they drafted Embry Thomas, Lenore, uh, Dante Johnson's there, those guys, but you know, with the draft picks, those are the question marks. We don't know what they're going to be bringing. You know, mm-hmm. they, they could come in and step in right away. But I'm a big proponent of what do I know. I know that Emmanuel Mosley has time in the system. I know that he's a very good number two solid cornerback. And this is a really good time for him to showcase all of those things, especially if Jason Verrett is healthy on the other side. You know, I'm just going to be wondering what they're going to be doing with Verrett. Is he going to be shadowing, following people, or is he just going to stay on the side? It's going to be really interesting to figure all that out. Because while I think Emmanuel Mosley is solid, I don't think that he's equipped, along with almost – 300 other cornerbacks in the league to stop a Devontae Adams, you know, a Hopkins, those guys, you know, because they're just in the class. Yeah. Or like Stefan Diggs, like those guys, like those are guys that are, that are in another league. So um, I think it is Emmanuel Mosley. He's earned that um, by being in the system and uh, he's got a real chance to prove himself. And you're not concerned at all with him not being able to beat out Witherspoon or Mosley or Mosley or uh, even um, Dante Johnson in the slot at the end of the year. Well, K1's back. So, oh, well, you're talking about last year. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So, at the end of the yeah. year last year, he was healthy, but only doing special teams. He was not out there. Uh, it was it was Spoon. And then on the inside, it was Dante Johnson. Yeah. So, well, you know. Uh, Dante Johnson has a lot of love in that locker room. You know, I've spoken to players who who love him. They love what he brings. And, and you know, a lot of people want to make jokes about how he's always on the roster. Well, there's a reason. They trust him. And, and that's a big thing with Kyle. That's another reason that Spoon fell out of favor, right? It's like. Once you get in the doghouse, you almost never come out. What I will give credit to Spoon on is they were able to uh, go to more man-to-man because of Spoon when he finally got himself out of the doghouse. Like, he, you were literally able to do things that you weren't able to do before because of how well he was playing and that dynamic that he brought. So I'm not necessarily worried about it. I think that if I have a, uh, if I have a criticism of Coach, it is he falls in love with guys and they can never do any wrong. But when somebody who isn't like in his good graces does one thing wrong, they're banished. And that's the that's the part that I kind of don't jive with, you know, like yeah. uh, like, you know, look, we love Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne drop a pass. He doesn't get taken out of the game. You know, Dante Pettit drops a pass. You're out of here. You know, you're right. gone. We don't even want to yeah. see you ever again. So and that's just one example. But Kyle definitely has his guys mm-hmm. and he has his guys that he trusts. So that's a, that's uh, that's what I would say to that. Absolutely, man. 100% there. Okay. All right. Another camp battle position I want to ask you about, and then we'll mm-hmm. move on to something else. Cause I don't, how, how much longer you got? I don't want to keep you for too long either. You're good. Think. I'm home alone, man. Let's rock. Oh, okay. No kidding. What? Yeah. The heck did you, tell me the secret. Uh, mother-in-law, you know, she's back from Florida. She's been dying to see the kid and, uh, you know, uh, she's going to a water park with her tomorrow. So, uh, it was an easy, uh, it was an easy move. Plus, uh, with everything that I had going on today, it would, there'd be no way for me to be able to do what I'm doing without her like running through here and yeah. here. So, yeah. Did you hear that, babe? Tell your mom to step her game up. <laughs> you all shouldn't be here. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm kidding. I get myself in trouble on the show. I'm just kidding. I love my family. I'm happy they're all here. All right. Um, damn, what was that? Oh, I was going to ask you about another position, right? I think mm-hmm. I said I was going to ask you about one more uh, position battle here. Um, and I'm not going to ask you about the quarterback until a different segment. That's, that's uh-huh. another segment at another time. Um, but I want to ask you about uh, – damn. Oh, no, no. I want to ask you about Mike McGlinchey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Mike McGlinchey is coming under a lot of scrutiny. The faithful are fed up with him. They want him, they want him gone. 
What are your thoughts on him when you watch him? And then what do you think he's going to bring to the table this year? So he got his fifth year option uh, picked up. So that means he's good for this year. And I mean, obviously, when you take somebody with the ninth pick, you better keep him for the fifth year. Otherwise, you completely wasted that pick. But, you know, look, a lot of the Mike McGlinchey struggles, they are valid. A lot of them are overblown. And let me explain. Um, He's elite at what he does and what they brought him here to do. Run block. When they brought him here, they brought him here because they knew he was going to be an elite run blocker. I think a lot of the fans' frustration is, is that he hasn't taken a step in pass pro. And then what happened this year was he would blow sacks at the biggest times. And it would be on a third down or it would be on the final drive or, you know, or like uh, the Eagles game. I'll point to that one. Um, mm. You know, the, the team is in the red zone. He misses a block. And Nick Mullins just floats a ball in the air because he's got a guy in his chest and it turns into an interception that's lost yeah. points. That was the most frustrating mm-hmm. game of the year. That one, they could, they could have won that game 10 different times um, if they didn't just shoot themselves in the foot. So I think that Mike McGlinchey stuff, he does have to improve. He said it himself. He's saying all the right things. He's put on the right amount of weight. This is a make or break time for him at camp right now. This is a very big make or break camp and season for him because you will be a free agent next year. And if you play and you show your leap in pass pro, then you're going to get rewarded. If you don't, then people will start labeling you with that B word. And uh, that's not the place that you want to be in. Um, I'm interested to figure out what happens next to him. Do they bring in Banks, who went to Notre Dame as well, two gold donors next to each other? Do they uh, do they finally, like, make it work? Because you're only as good as the guy next to you in, um, on the offensive line. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he does. The faithful are a little bit fed up. Um, the media kind of gets on him. But he also did say, hey, I should be playing better. And hopefully he put on the weight and he's putting in the work. So uh, we're going to see. This is a big, big season for Mike McGlinchey. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you about before we get to the next segment here is going to be that wide receiver three. Um, People are making a big deal of it. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's something that's even that we should be concerned with, with all the other weapons that we have out there now? Uh, Who do you think it should be? Uh, And uh, do you think it's a big deal? Well, all right. So in terms of how often the 49ers run three wide receiver sets, it was among the lowest. If it's not like the the right before the last, like the last, mm-hmm. like the bottom of the league. OK, yeah. now, how much of that has to do with having three wide receivers healthy at the same time to use or how much does it have to do with philosophy? Right. So when you think about three wide receivers, that's going to push somebody off the field. And who's that going to push off? It's going to push off the highest paid fullback in the league. That's not the really way that they want to do it. So, all right, who should be the wide receiver three? That's a great question, Mike. I don't even know if I have an answer for that. Who do they want it to be? Who do they want it to be? Jalen Hurd. All right. So they did not draft a receiver. They did not bring in anybody of consequence as far as, like, a big uh, free agent name, like Golden Tate, D.D. Westbrook, none of those guys. Nobody was – you know, there was plenty of people out there. But they they want Jalen Hurd. Like right after the press conference, I mean, right after the draft and the press conference, they looked right in the camera and they said, Jalen Hurd is our guy. And, and remember, this isn't a guy that you found on the street. This is a third-round pick, and I hate to bring this up. Terry McLaurin was on the board when you took Jalen Hurd. That was my yes. guy. Yes. Oh, man. So, look, it's a, it's a chance that it could be Jalen Hurd. You just got to figure out where he, he slots in, positionless. Mm-hmm. And Kendrick Bourne as wide receiver three, he's not really a wide receiver three because – Debo was hurt. Ayuk was hurt. He actually played a lot more. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, so right now, it looks like the leader in the clubhouse so far is Muhammad Sanu. And that's good, right? Because he has uh, he has experience in this in this uh, in this scheme and he understands. And, and, and Kyle loves the idea of a big slot, which is why I think it's Jalen Hurt. I really think that he they're going to force that to make that happen. The big slot thing is something that he's been clamoring for. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to shake out who it should be. I don't know who they want it to be. It's Jalen Hurd. That's the best answer I could probably give you. 
I think I think you surprised me a little bit here. I thought you were going to at least mention Richie James. Uh, so, you know, I have a controversial opinion on Richie James. Um, should we save this for a later segment? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. all right. I don't know because I don't know how controversial it's going to be. I, I'm going to ask you to keep it real later. The yep, name of this perfect. show is Keeping It Real with Jason Aponte. So uh, I'm going to – I want that Jersey boy to come out of you. So Jer if you guys have never – interacted with a person from new jersey one thing good or bad that is it's like a, a tag for jersey people is that they tell you exactly what they feel they tell you what's on their mind it comes out sometimes abrasive and rough and i want that in a later segment here so i don't know if you want to do that now if it's not going to be that harsh then you can go ahead and, and present it now yeah I, don't, yeah I don't think it's going to be that harsh i mean they oh, okay. just uh they just brought in symbol webster webster who's a punt return um specialist um river mm -hmm. craycraft has experience with that so does travis benjamin it seems like the 49ers are telling richie james dude separate yourself and do something with the punt. the last uh punt return for a touchdown we ever had uh we have had in a long time i'm sorry was from ted ginn recently retired ted ginn that's the last punt return we've had for a yes. touchdown the last kick return we, against the Seahawks. That, yes, the last kick return that we've had for a touchdown was Richie James against Seattle. So look, am I saying that Richie James is on the bubble? Kind of starting to kind of feel like that. I mean, Sherfield's a special teamer. River Craycraft can handle punts. IU can handle punts. Uh, you know, even for a little while they had Jarek McKinnon returning kicks. Um, mm -hmm. I just I just think that uh, it's it's a little bit understated how good it is to have a returner when you know uh, I'll point to the Saints game um, in 2019. Uh, was the guy's name Deontay, Deontay Harris? He was literally flipping the field every time he got his hands on the Killing ball. Us, bro. Right. And that's a great thing to have. It's so I feel like the 49ers start every single drive on the 25. It's such a difference to start it on the 40, on the 50, with actual gains. So Richie James is going to have a lot to prove, and he has competition. It's not, they're not going to hand it to him. So he's either got to separate himself as a receiver in camp, or he's got to separate himself as as a as a better kick returner, punt returner than these guys for him to you know not be on the bubble like I think he is. Okay. All right. All right. So I think we're going to go here um, with one more thing. And this is the uh, first time in NFL history the teams have 17 games as opposed to us 16. Um, the, the league is still trying to fill its way out with the rules and all that they're going to implement this season. Uh, we don't know how it's all going to shake out, but I have to ask you how you think the team is going to do, the record prediction. Um, and in this record prediction, I'm going to ask you to do what we did on our show and tell me when you think – Trey Lance gets his first start. I know, I know it's a lot, but I need a record prediction and when you think he gets his first start. So does it does it does it matter that uh maybe I think he doesn't start this year? No, you can say that too. Absolutely. Oh, that is great. Okay. So if that right. happens, that means we are whoo. Okay, all right. Let me shut so, up. So no, 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 you're right, Mike. And that's why I've been asked on podcasts. You know, people, you know, right now when we were grasping for content, people are always trying to get something out of you, right? So Someone asked me on a podcast, I can't remember, um, would you be disappointed if Jimmy Garoppolo started 17 games? And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, you want to hear why? That means the 49ers won 10, 11, 12 games. What's wrong with that? And what would you want not that to happen? So look, how can I how can I predict when Trey Lance is going to start when I, my prediction is that Jimmy's going to start week one? I really believe that. I really do. Um, I believe that, uh, you know, it's too hard to bench somebody with that uh, salary and uh, and basically tank any sort of value. Right. Yeah. Like who's going to want to trade for a guy who is uh, has one season healthy, couldn't even like, you know, win a win a job that he's been in the system for this long. I don't think that that's how that's going to work. And again, I like the idea of Kyle resetting his clock, being able to kind of wait on Trey. You know, um, if, if I had to predict, I'll take the easy way. Um, it would be right after a bye week. Usually how they do with rookies, okay. you know, but then again, the 49ers would have to be one and three or, you know, let's say 
three and one in spite of how Jimmy played. And I don't see that happening. If they're winning games, it's because Jimmy Garoppolo is upright and playing well. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I understand fans want to see Trey Lance. That's good. I do too. But I want to see who's going to be the best out there for him. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy, then that's fine. He's playing for his life as a starting quarterback this year. You have yeah. to hope that that motivates him. And then, like I said, if you play 17 games, they're not going to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo for 17 games if he's bad. That's it. Right. Like it's not. So if he does play 17 games, it's because they're doing well. So my prediction is going to be 11 and six. I had it 12 and five. I'm starting to like pull back a little bit because you're starting to see, you know, uh, you know, you know, this league. There's going to be a team on this schedule that we're looking at that we're like, oh, this is probably a W that are going to play over their heads this year or or make a leap. And it's it's this league is full of parity. But I will say 11 and five with 11 and six with a division win. OK, I like that, man. That's that's a, that's a solid record. And that's with Jimmy playing all year long. I like that, man. That's that's really good. That means that you had never mind. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Get to that. All right. So um, here we go, man. This, this will be our last segment of the night. It's going to be keeping it real. So what I want you to do here, man, is pretend that it's just us. We're at a bar. No. You're, you're a couple of drinks in. And Let me just these comments shoot. off. Let me just go to the private <laughs> chest. So I don't see anything. <laughs> We're just gonna shoot the shit here, okay? Okay. Gonna, oh wait, let me let me get this contribution up here. I'm sorry, I'm I haven't read any contributions over here, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna click them. I'm sorry, guys. Thank you all for the contributions and all the comments. I was trying to get them all on here uh, earlier, um, and now I want to get to this. I want to focus on the questions that I'm gonna ask him here. Uh, so I'm gonna get away from all the comments and contributions, but thank you all for them very much. Um, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Um, all right, so Jason, man, we're at a bar. We're just shooting the shit here. We're at Nuno's. By the way, you know Nuno's is closing down? No way. Yeah, Nick was telling me that they're closing down, so I got, I, got, I don't know if we're going to get one. a to get to week this one. season. Week, week one, one is the last one? I, I don't know. I mean, I hope if they're open for week one, then I'm going because I'm going to be traveling to too many other games, and that's going to be my best shot because week two okay. is in Philly, and you know we're out there. So week one, man, I, I'm going to have to make it because I'm not going to Detroit. Like, I, not, Nothing against Detroit, but I'm just like – I'm going to be traveling to so many other cities. Uh, I could wait on Detroit. I'm not trying nah, to rap battle. I've been to Detroit. It ain't all that. That's what I was gonna say. I'm, I'm not trying to battle Papa Doc and them. I'm good. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into this, man. Um, so I when I when I say something to you, I want you to just keep it real. I'm gonna ask a bunch of different questions. Some of them are gonna be yes or no, some of them are gonna be like, what do you think about this? Okay. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo aside, how long do you think it's gonna take for Trey Lance to be ready to play against NFL competition? I think he I think he's ready now. And, and, and see, again, look, I think he's ready now, but it doesn't mean that Kyle wants to play, want him to play. I think he's ready now, man. I really do. Look, the offense that he ran at NDSU, when you watch all those concepts, they're all Kyle Shanahan concepts. Same things. Talking about leak. We're talking about bootlegs. We're talking about a lot of the route trees that they ran. I, and, and they were talking about the RPOs that he ran with RG3. All that stuff is there, and it's right there for him. Honestly, the way that Kyle was able to slow the game down for RG3 and put him in advantageous spots, I believe that he would do the same for Trey Lance. Trey Lance is too smart to not pick it up that quickly. And think about this. And look, now we're, now we're shooting the shit. So I know for a fact that this Jimmy Garoppolo playbook is the slimmest playbook. If, if, if Kyle Shanahan's playbook is this big, this is how big uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's is. So you're telling me that Trey Lance can't figure that out? Come on. Stop. Well, that, okay. Could so be, then, all right. So all take right. back what I said. No, 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 no. I'm not going to actually take it back because I, I, I want us to figure this out because there's logic behind everything, right? So if he, if you think that he could be ready right away as early as week one, and I know you said that you know NFL politics and salary, draft picks, and all that stuff. You got a second round pick, twelfth uh, highest uh, paid quarterback in the league right now, whatever. So I get that, right? Does Jimmy? La the last thing we knew about Jimmy Garoppolo when healthy was him 
uh, being on the uh, the scout team. All right. At the end of the season, he was healthy enough to do some scout team work. John and Kyle both went to the podium and, and said that. Mm-hmm. It, it never suited up for a game, though. They kept him away. Had Jimmy gone out and looked good but lost some games or looked good and won some games, would he would he be here if Lance is still ready week one? Like, are we just doing this to build up Jimmy's value? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's look, you it's know what ugly, it is? It's true. You know what it is, Mike? <sighs> now we're going to keep it real. All right. I have never seen one quarterback get more credit for one season in the history of this game. I don't think ever, 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 ever. I don't mm. understand how people in this fan base can look me in the face and tell me that you believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, mm. Baker Mayfield, all those mm. guys. Who have pl- they have played years. They have played years and shown you track record. Okay. Why is it that? Five games in 2017, and then 2019, all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 12 quarterback. Look, if you believe that, go ahead. But I am a big proponent of track record. There is no way in my mind. Ryan Tannehill is coming off one of the most efficient years in in, in his career. He, the only person who had a higher EPA uh, than him was a guy named Aaron Rodgers. And I know yeah. that stats are for nerds and everything, but he ran that offense. And guess what they would have asked Jimmy Garoppolo to do the same way in the Titans? Hand the ball out to Derrick Henry, use play action, but guess what? He can't throw that thing down the field like Ryan Tannehill. Kirk Cousins throws for 4,000 y- yards every single year, and y'all going to look me in the face and tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo is not better than Kirk Cousins? How Talk on earth? Shit. Why? Why? Shit, look, I get it. Look. You know what you don't like about Kirk Cousins? He's a dork. That's what you don't like about him. And that's fine. He wears he wears socks with thong slippers. You make fun of him all day. But he doesn't miss games. He throws for 4,000 yards in an offense that is not pass heavy. And he look at what he did with Justin Jefferson last year. Justin Jefferson had a 72% catch rate because every single ball that was thrown to him down the field was on target. Listen, mm. there's a difference between mm. completing passes and being on target. Many of Jimmy Garoppolo's throws require George Kittle the slide or maybe you are a little bit lower and they bring them in that's a completion but that's not accuracy and i think that you guys have it a little bit crossed up it's about what do i know i know that kirk cousins throws for four thousand yards every single year and plays every single game i know that ryan Tannehill earned himself a big contract i know that baker mayfield had the best year of his career last year and he's going to continue to grow in an offense that's still not pass heavy but i don't understand why jimmy garoppolo gets so much praise for one year. Look, if you believe right. he's a top 15 quarterback, cool. I mean, I'll argue with that. But stop with this whole I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo over Kirk Cousins stuff. It's it's not smart. It's really not the way to look at things. Honestly, man. It, it's just just let's just say the guy even plays more games. That's it. Forget the stats. Give me the track record in two different teams has actually really done well. That's I don't understand how it could be straight up just Jimmy Garoppolo is not better than Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill. This doesn't make any sense. I like it, man. And and you censored yourself. You said that's just not smart. I heard it. I heard it. You did good. I wanted, man. I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to say the other word, but I don't like saying that word. <laughs> All right. So then the other thing I got to ask you about is this, man. You know, people are, are are ready to to move on from a lot of players that I don't think they should move on from. I think that some players were misused uh, due to so many injuries and things like that. So I got to ask you about Eric Armstead, one of the highest salaries on the team. Uh, some people say it's not deserved. Some people say it is what it is, whatever, whatever. What is your thought on Eric Armstead, his value to the team? Do you think he's overpaid, What just, just whatever it is? Or do you – well, 
What, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't think that he's overpaid. I think I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier is that Eric Armstead is a complimentary piece. And that's no slight at Eric Armstead, right? It's just that when you lose Bosa, you know, and, and DeForest Buckner, man, that's the problem, right? Because a lot of people have it in their head that Eric Armstead got the bag over DeForest Buckner and you're supposed to keep one or the other. I'm not certain that that's the way that that works. That's not really what happened because it was you keep Armstead, Jimmy Ward, and Ken, and get Ken Law, or you just keep Buckner and probably lose all three of those guys. Now we know how invaluable Jimmy Ward is, so you have to think about it in those terms. So, all right, is he overpaid? When you look at production, and if you want to just look at that, okay, maybe he's overpaid. But I really believe that when you put him in a position where you have everybody right, you have them in their right spots, Eric Armstead is still a very good football player, very good in run defense. It's just that when he's asked to be the main guy to rush the passer, to be the guy to blow plays up, that's really not where he's at. And um, you know, another thing is, is like the worst kept secret is, is he's probably in line for a restructure. They're going to figure out a way to, to bring that number down so they can they can bring some players in or or uh, bring people back. So when Eric Armstead's there and this defensive line is humming, then he's going to be fine. Do I think he's overpaid? If you want to just go a production? Sure. You could probably say that. But I don't think that he deserves nearly as much hate as he's been getting, especially when you see that for a long time, he'd be playing out of position. He's better on the inside. He's much better there than he is on the outside. So it's just I think when you see that dollar figure, you expect a certain amount of production and when you don't hit that that's when people are going to start to say you're overpaid okay jimmy ward has been running his mouth a lot this offseason what do you think I love it. He's in his bag, man. And that's that's what's good about it. That confidence is coming through because he's finally showing this team what he's trying to show this fan base. The, the Jimmy Ward's journey from being like one of the most hated, dumped on players, you know, to now, even even his most ardent, uh, what's the word, like accuser and, 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 and you know, down player has to say that Jimmy Ward is a top safety in this league because of what he can do. And he's been putting it out there just by being on the field. Forget the turnovers thing. Did you guys ever realize that there's no turnovers because they don't throw the ball to him or because he's wiping something else out? Like turnovers are not everything. Sometimes turnovers happen because people are picking on you and they throw at you a lot because they're not afraid mm -hmm. of you and you make a play on the ball here and there. What happens when they don't throw the ball at you? When you're playing single high and the ball's not going your way and you're, you're blanketing everything that's coming mm -hmm. your way? What happens when they ask you to guard Gerald Everett and then Cooper Cup on back-to-back -back plays and guess what you do? You have two pass breakups on there. How many safeties do you know that are, can play like that? So I think Jimmy Ward right now is in his Bag. He knows that he's kind of, you know, jumped over this injury stuff and he should be talking this way because now he's finally getting the praise that he deserves. Conspiracy theory also, how the national media frames things around players. Take a look at Jimmy Ward's PFF grades after Richard Sherman joins Chris Collinsworth's podcast. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Richard Sherman ran up in that office and was yelling at them about, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're looking at. And now mm. Jimmy Ward is now Jimmy Ward gets all the praise from PFF and his grades mm. have been shooting up to the roof. That's why PFF grades do not hold weight water for me. They're very much subjective. I got a chance to work a little bit behind the scenes with them. And, you know, when I wanted to try to get a job with them, I understand their process. It is very subjective. You, you rate plays from a scale of zero of negative two to two. Um, Meaning the worst play on there that if you want to grade that player is negative two, you can give them a zero, which is nothing, or you can give them a two and, and, and anything in between 1.5. So right. then they aggregate, they aggregate that score. They send it to the coaches and the, and the, and the scouts that they have on staff. And then they, they put that score together and it's all subjective. So don't, don't let those grades fool you. When people cite PFF grades to me, I kind of tend to dismiss it. I don't like dismissing people's arguments, More but now. you have to know the, you have to know the process. It's subjective. So just no. take a look at that. That's my conspiracy theory. Take a look at his, at his grades before, and then Richard Sherman went up in that office and was barking at people. All of a sudden, now Jimmy Ward is one of the highest-rated safeties.
bro, I have been telling people that Jimmy Roard is one of the most valuable pieces on this team because not only can he play all five positions in the secondary, he plays them at a high level. And they're like, oh, no, but that's your love for Ward. I was like, okay, hey, I trust my eyes. I know what I see, you know, and that's what that's the first thing I say when people tell me, well, PFF says, and I'm like, I don't care what PFF says. I trust my eyes. I'm not watching through the same lens that they're watching. Maybe they see something I don't see for real. But mm-hmm. I trust my eyes. My opinion is formed by me and only me. You know what I'm saying? So right. I Based on that. the way that they explained it to me when, when I was doing data collection for them is they send you the film. And basically what data collection is, is I have to I have to put players in the right spots for the graders, meaning they'll give me the Michigan against Ohio State film. And I have to look, OK, number 43 is in the middle of the field. But is he a MLB or is he an OLMB, like based on where he's standing? And then yeah. you have to put it out there for them. Right. And then um, when I got a chance to look at it, basically a negative two is the equivalent of like a red zone interception right the worst thing that you can you can put out there right a two is like the david tyree catch yeah like like that high up right mm-hmm. and then a zero is if like you're not involved in the play so like i said it's very subjective you know you could think that he's impacting the play even though it's not getting thrown to him and maybe give him a higher grade you could think that he did nothing give him a zero or give him something less that's right. why it's very subjective uh those pff grades are they, it should be one part of the puzzle pff grade should be one exactly. part of the puzzle it shouldn't be the end all be all and i think that's where people got it messed up I like it. I like it. I'm going to let you go soon, man. We're we're here at the hour mark right now. So let me ask you just three more questions. And we're I'm good, gonna, man. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. Um, so, you know, again, we're at the bar. We're talking. And a guy comes up to you and says, man, the Niners aren't going to win a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. What is your response to that? Man, get your ass out of my face, man. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Look, you're talking to the guy. You're talking to the guy who is a co-creator of Only Shans. Yes, that's a shameless plug. But no, honestly, when no, you're talking plug about that shit, man. yeah, but when you're talking about play design, when you're talking about play calling, you know, um, a lot of people want to point to. Okay, I, I really, I really enjoyed him going on the Sean McVay thing because that's him knocking back a few drinks and that's him keeping it real, right? So I, you yeah. know, I really thought it was interesting when he went back and he talked about the Atlanta game and he's like, man, we called the right plays. We were trying to go for the knockout blow. He's like, Julio makes that catch. And then, you know, he said that the next play that he called, which was the strip sack, was, okay, you got Julio Jones. You make sure you go to get him the ball. But guess what? Bill Belichick's on the other side, and the Patriots blanketed him. Once that read was taken away, it gave Hightower enough time to get him and get that sack out of there. And then that's when he realized, because he said, he goes, I watched an hour of Tom Brady kick our ass up and down the field. He was like, I'm trying to end this game. He was like, all we had to do was really get in the field goal range, trying mm-hmm. to end this game. So it's good that he went back and he looked at it like that. As far as right. the Super Bowl goes in 2019, I am like I've debated back and forth about doing this on my channel because I just want to go through the fourth quarter again because I can assign blame to 10, 12 players and the coach as Mm. to why this game was lost. And the coach? And it took an entire team to lose this game. An entire team to lose this game. An entire team. Everything had to go the way that it did for the Chiefs to win that game. You know, Joe Staley missed blocks. George Kittle missed blocks. Kendrick Bourne and Debo Samuel ran wrong routes. Uh, Mike Person missed blocks. Kyle Shanahan called the play. Jimmy Garoppolo checks out of into the right play, but misses the throw. It's not all one guy's fault. It took an entire team to blow that game, and I think that people need to understand that. So, look, when you look at where they're going, I absolutely going to push my chips to the table because one thing is – Kyle Shanahan is not going anywhere. The York family loves him. And that doesn't mm-hmm. matter if Jed does. The parents do. Right. And he's going to be there for as long as they need. He has a longer lease than John Lynch. 
Kyle Shanahan is the golden boy. That's how he's viewed. So he will have as many shots as he needs. As long as he gets upright quarterback play, which we've seen, and good defense, like we saw last year, even if he had that defense, that team goes in 2019, at least on a deep playoff run. Don't know if it's a Super Bowl because it was so dominant, and nobody will ever touch that 2019 defense. But if that defense can play like it did last year, even missing everybody, it was still a mm-hmm. top 10 unit, and have a quarterback who's actually upright and plays and, and is able to put points on the board, why can't they? And now let's right. look at it like this. Let's even look at it this year in the NFC. Who exactly in the NFC besides our division are you exactly scared of? I don't think Aaron Rodgers is playing this year. The NFC East can get out. Nobody's scared about anybody. The Saints are done. The the Vikings aren't going to be doing anything to anybody. Our main competition is everybody in this division. It's the Rams Mm -hmm. and it's the Seahawks. Arizona, nobody cares. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is their coach. So, again, it's wide open. It is wide open. It's wide open. So why wouldn't you say that there's a chance for him to do it? If you want to say, okay, he blew this and that, cool. He did. You know, that's fine. He's part of the problem when it comes to that. But – He's too young. He's going to have too many opportunities, especially now that he reset his clock with Trey Lance. There's no way that they're going to sit him with two two years of Trey Lance and just say, all right, now you got to go. He's going to have the full four or five years with Trey to make sure that it happens. So uh, I, there's no way that I don't think it does happen. I mean, at this point, I think that it's got to happen. All right. All right. And then this will probably be my last one. I got like three more, but I'll try to, like I said, I'm trying to keep it short. Uh, your GM does not know what he's doing. Look at his draft history. What is your response to that at the at the bar? I mean, there's misses. There's misses on there. I wouldn't say that he doesn't know what he's doing. I think that they've done a great job. See, here's the problem is for every Fred Warner, George Kittle that you hit on, there's Dante Pettis, there's Solomon, you know, Thomas. Uh, Solomon Thomas, those picks, right? So you could make the argument either way. I think what's really covered up, what's happened with John Lynch is that he's hit on those other on those other players, you know, tossing the fact that they they got something from Raheem Mostert, who, was, who wasn't brought here by Kyle or John Lynch. He was brought here by uh, Chip Kelly. Kelly. Yep. People don't remember. Um, and they were able to do things. But look, the trade up for Pettis, that's bad. Um, you know, the, the, the Jalen Hurd thing, look, I, it's the third year. And I just hate I hate to play the game of who was on the board. But here's the problem, Mike. If you take Terry McLaurin instead of Jer- Jalen Hurd and Terry McLaurin would have broken out the same exact way. I don't care what you say about Jimmy Garoppolo, because, dude, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, uh, all these guys mm-hmm. were his quarterback. Back to back thousand years, the kid's a baller. The problem yes, is, is that when you get him, right, maybe you don't get Brandon Ayuk the next year. You go mm-hmm. for a premium defensive player. So when you start missing, like when you miss on Pettis, you got to mm-hmm. go back and double back for a Brandon Ayuk. You got to double back for other guys. Mm-hmm. So when you miss once, you start to try to recover year after year and try to go back. Right. And that's the issue with missing. So has he had some misses? For sure. But you know, finding George Kittle, finding Fred Warner, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk is, I, I think, every bit the part that he's been showing. Um, and, and, you know, and then, look, I know it's not a draft pick, but trading for Trent Williams, that was that was genius. Come on, man. On that, that, that was genius. So that was that was probably the highlight of the draft. And that wasn't like you said, a draft pick like that was incredible. Um, and we heard we heard Staley talk about how he cried in, in the locker room, things like that after the Super Bowl loss. Uh, a couple of us felt like it was over. You know what I mean? Um, and. They did a great job of keeping that under wraps so that nobody knew that the, the Niners were looking into trading for because as soon as as soon as Washington knew that, the cost of Trent shoots through the roof. And so they played it perfectly. What was it, a third and a five? Yeah, right? that's nothing. And 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 that's nothing. There's no third rounder that you're gonna find that be to be the best left tackle in the league. That's no, it. No, no. So that that is incredible to me, man. You know, you lock up the left side of your line, highest paid guy, best left tackle in the league again. Like, come on, like that that was that was very much worth it. So, Jason, man, you've been a great sport. I want to thank you for jumping on here, man. I know you said you got the night to yourself. Go enjoy your time alone. I don't know if you drink during the week or not. If you do have a cold, oh, let me let me. What is your drink of choice? Oh, all right. So, 
I was a big, big, you know, craft beer guy. Try to find as much, you know, on craft beers and things like that. I've kind of been transitioning to red wine. Um, I mean, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older, right? And I think that the buzz is something that's different. Um, and, okay. you know, like you can have a glass of, of wine and feel buzz, but never feel, I mean, you know, especially if it's a really good wine, feel like you're floating. There's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Not that you're floating like you're out of control. Like, you right. know, I'm just an, it's a good vibe. You know, you, you you can watch a movie, you can throw on some some smooth music and, and really vibe out. You know, uh, with the craft beer, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit bloated. Um, you know, it's like a lot. It's like right here with the red wine, you can sip it, have it warm. And, uh, you know, now that I'm getting a little bit closer to 40, got to start to transition a little bit more into more classy stuff. So uh, I think the the red wine is my new is my new stuff. And I'm just trying to learn more about, you know, uh, you know, where it's where it's uh, sent out from and the age yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. So I'm just trying to get better with that. But, yeah. And, and, you know, and if it is hard liquor, then it's like, you know, back in the day when I was, you know, you know how Jersey is. Hennessy, all that stuff was there. Yeah, I haven't yeah. had Hennessy in years and years, so I actually would like to see what it would be like at thirty six to have again. But uh, I try to stick to clear vodka, tequila. Um, tequila is okay. really good. I, I, you know, like uh, I'm in the Casamigos now, so yeah. And I try not to drink during the week, but man, you know how it is. Some days it's like, man, you know yeah. what? Screw this. Like even right now, like I might just go walk to the corner bar real quick, just go have a beer, come right back. You yeah, know? So, exactly. Like, all right, so it. let me. I got a little Hennessy story for you. So after uh-huh, these DMX is my favorite rapper. Okay, so after DMX died, um, I'm listening to you know all these different interviews. These un not unreleased, but like really old interviews and new ones. And then Jay Z, that clip goes around with him in the on the barbershop, uh, on the shop, and he's talking about DMX's blood drink. And so I was like, yo, I heard this before, and I went and I found this old interview. Long story short, uh, DMX used to drink Hennessy and Alize mixed together. Blood, and it, it comes like out this dark, deep red and everything, right? And so I was like, you know what? I don't drink either one of these, but I'm going to go get it. You can ask my wife. She's sitting right here. And I drank that stuff for a weekend, and it was not good. It was was not good, man. Like, So I'm I'm a scotch guy, so I don't drink stuff with a lot of sugars. It's not sweet or anything like that, you know what I mean? But I did it for my man X. I did it for the whole weekend, and I would be completely fine if I never have Hennessy again in my life. Like uh, I, I was thinking the same thing too, but like yeah. somebody was like somebody was like trying to call me out and like ah oh, well you ain't about it. And I'm like man don't don't take me back to them days, man. So I don't right. know, man. I don't am I built like that now? I don't know, but I'm gonna if I do it, I'm gonna do it home just so I could right. like go right to bed at all. Like like if anything, yeah. anything bad happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> feeling too much. Like you know what? Let me just tap out. I'm going to sleep. Just go yeah. to bed. Nope. That's right. That's right. The best place to do that is at home, man. I'm, I'm with yep. you 100 on that. So. All right, man, Jason, I, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, so the last thing that we do on every show is final thoughts, closing thoughts. Um, you can promote. I want you to do that. Promote anything that you're working on and where people can find you, uh, apparel, all that kind of stuff. Promote, promote, promote. Uh, and if you have any final words for the faithful, if there's something that you want people to know about you that they may not know about you already. You know what I mean? This is The floor is yours to say whatever it is you want for however long you want. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on here, man. It's a big thrill. It was, it was awesome chopping it up on here. It was a really fun episode. And I, and I like the whole barbershop keeping a real vibe sometimes because, you know, you, you try to always be, you know, you know, once I started to know that the players watch our shows, mm-hmm. I started to like a little bit, like, you know, slow down a little bit. You know, once, once Jimmy Ward was on Grant's show talking about, oh, I watch your podcast. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you, you know, I mean, thank God I've had nothing but good things to say about him, you know. But, um, um yeah, so as far as uh, follow me on Twitter at Jason Aponte 2103 Subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, Jason Aponte. It's the uh, same uh, way that you spell it. Uh, on Instagram, uh, Jay Aponte two one zero three. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess the the big thing is is I'm I'm flying out next week um on Thursday to uh to Cali and uh, we're like on the one yard line with uh, being credential for camp, so it's pretty much yeah. I mean, I don't want to say a done deal, but it's looking good. So I mean, hopefully I'll be able to to give you guys content from there, um articles and live streams and such. So um it's gonna be really interesting to see this camp battle uh play out um and watch this this Garoppolo and Lance thing because this is what I'll tell the the 49er fans. We are the center right now of the NFL because everyone else in the NFL is checking for Jimmy and Lance. What I want mm-hmm. you guys to do right now on July 22nd, can we please wait for one camp report of actual battles before we start yelling at each other about whether Lance or Jimmy should start? Mm-hmm. With no new information, you guys are rehashing the same argument over and over, and it gets a little tedious. Trust me, there are so many more interesting stories going on with this team and other camp battles that you guys could be discussing with the same amount of enthusiasm as opposed to just rehashing the same arguments for Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and being on both sides of it, it's really gotten to a point where it's very toxic and people can't even have other opinions. And that's never what it needs to be. This should always be fun. This should always be considerate of other people's opinions. And this should always just be discourse. And that's it. And I feel like that's been lost. It's become a little bit more toxic than I want it to be, which is why on my show and on tweets, I never talk about Jimmy and Trey. That's how much more there is to talk about this team. So just let it play out. Let, let at least Jimmy have one bad practice and Trey have one practice before you start yelling in one direction or the other. Like, please, right. let's just wait. There's a lot of time and there's a lot of time for this to unfold, especially since the NFL is going to be watching this and they're going to be talking about it a lot. If you watch NFL Network, you watch ESPN, whatever it is, trust me, there's going to be daily reports the same way and they're going to be debating it the same way. So just give it time. You'll have enough time to argue about it throughout the whole preseason. Absolutely, man. Uh, so two things here. Uh, I want to say my my closing remarks. I remember what I was going to say. You said you were the manager for Lids, right? The general manager. Mm -hmm. No, district manager. District manager? Mm -hmm. Okay. What is the biggest size fitted Lids sells? Because I grew my locks out. Now, bro, there's no shame in my game. This is an eight Mm -hmm. and a half. No, this is an eight. Mm -hmm. All my my fitted to eights, bro. Like, they're all – I can't hide it. My head was huge when I was born. It's still that way. They're all eights. So what is the biggest size lid fitted? I don't like snapbacks. What's the biggest size fitted? I can find. Is there a place to get them specially ordered or something? Yeah. So if Mike, if you would have walked in, right, and I didn't know who you were, right? And I, you know, usually I say, Hey, what's your, your hair size? If you were to come and say I need a fitted, I'd be like, Bet you need an eight right off the bat because of the dreads. That's right. the first thing that we go to. So in store, it's always eight. That's the highest that you're gonna find. There is okay. a place for you to special order them. It's on the new era site. You have to actually go down the new era site for that. They, they they have extra sizes, like there's eight and a quarter, eight and a half. Though that's where you go and get them done. Lids doesn't have them, that's not how they work, but it's so special ordery that it has to go through new era. I would check out their website so you could do oh, it on there. Let's go. You just ruined me, man. All right. And so my other final thought is gonna be this, man. I, I want to tell the faithful to know your power. All right. So my, my message to everybody tonight is gonna be this one, man. Uh, there was this kid who tweeted out. A, a TikTok video about how Kyle Shanahan was overrated and we blew him up. We blew this kid up. Um, and you know, it was one of his most watched tweets or, or um, TikToks. TikToks and everything. And he's back again. And you want to know why he's back again? Because we blew him up the first time. Mm-hmm. So when you come at the Niners fan base, we clap back. And this video that he's talking about is exactly that. He said that people said vile stuff. People attacked him. His mother saw it. And da, da, da. He's like trying to play the victim and all that. And this tweet is going around Twitter today. So what I'm going to tell you, Faithful, is this. Know your power. If there is someone out there that you think has a horrible take about your team, especially if they are outside of the Faithful, guys, let it go. Because when you respond, you retweet, you you give that stuff, you, you put more eyes on that tweet, on that content, that's all they want. 
because let me tell you something. These computers don't know if you click it because you hate it or if, the, if you click it because you love it. Don't click it. Don't promote it. Don't give these guys eyes. Faithful, know your power. That is my final message. And with that power, y'all better show your man Jason some love. Go out there, follow, subscribe, wherever he is. Promote this one because he plugged it a thousand times already. And guys, that is going to do it for us here tonight. We thank you all for rocking out with us and being here. As long as you all have Jason again, you have been a wonderful, wonderful guest. I sincerely thank you for making time and taking time out of your day to be here, my man. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. You, you got it, Mike. Uh, I'm deeply appreciative and I'm always respectful of people's time. And I, and I always want to do this for everybody else because that's what I would do, you know, for, for, you know, or that's what I would want someone else to do for me. So do unto others. I guess that's my final message. There you go. That's going to be it, guys. Prepare for glory anticipate pain but always remain faithful we're out of here guys peace we all gas no brakes pumped up no fakes we spinning we winning we high stakes we never miss we all makes look at us dudes trying to prove bringing you news with nothing to lose mike nick tony wayne method man we bring the pain hey see i'ma confess it we under the pressure If you looking to find us We them nothing but niners We nothing but niners We nothing